0: Well, this is Jefferson Public Radio. I'm Danielle Kelly. Welcome to another JPR live session where we get one-of-a-kind performances in studio with artists we love and conversations to boot. With us today, live in the Steve Nelson Performance Studio, is a repeat live session artist having visited us back in 2019 and 16. Uh, Apparently, it's a name I've been mispronouncing a little bit for the last eight years. It is Dylan LeBlanc. Not LeBlanc. Hey, Dylan. Hey, how are you? i mean, so good. Uh, so great to have you back in the studios, and you brought a band with you today. Who've you got with you today?
1: Uh, I got my my father James LeBlanc on bass, uh, my good friend Clay Hool on guitar, Dave Given on drums, and Ian Klein on the keyboards.
0: You got a, your dad in the band. That's so cool. Yeah, my, he's all right. My
1: goodness, he don't eat much.
0: <laughs> this uh, configuration has a has a name.
1: Yes, yeah, uh, this configuration is called the Steel Vaciero.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So dramatic. A lot of mystique in there. Very dramatic. Um, So cool. So thanks, everybody, for coming on in. Uh, This gang is out on tour in support of the new record, Coyote. Congratulations on the new record. It's out on ATO. And uh, we're just so excited to hear some of the new tunes. You ready to kick it off with one?
1: Yeah. This one is called Coyote. Mm.
0: That is Dylan LeBlanc and Estil Vaqueros here live at Jefferson Public Radio. That's the title track of the newest record out, Coyote on ATO Records. You guys, that was so cool. Thank you. Um, We were chatting earlier about where's home right now, Dylan. You've got a a history of of moving around a bit. And when I asked you about home, you said you're splitting it between two pretty different places right now. That's uh, awesome. You're spending half the time, you said, in Norway.
1: Yeah, that's correct. And
0: the and the other half down in Muscle Shoals. Yes. What an incredibly different uh landscape for half and half. What's uh what what brought you to Norway? How'd you get up there?
1: Uh I met a girl. Oh. And uh, <laughs> uh I was crazy about her, so we started seeing each other and then one thing led to another and uh, then she got pregnant and now we have a baby, girl. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. I'm pretty happy about it. I'm uh, pretty smitten with my daughter, and I'm and, uh, crazy about it, my fiance as well. So things have been brightening up in, in my world for sure.
0: Congratulations, that's so beautiful. And and so half the time you're at home with family in Norway, and then is uh, Muscle Shoals. that's kind of, that's where your roots are from. Is that where you sort of go to, when you go to work and get uh, studio time and, mm-hmm. and put music uh, time into records?
1: Yeah, I've done uh, most of my records in that town, uh, two at Fame, or three, sorry, at Fame, and then one with uh, Single Lock uh, Records at their studios. And uh, it's a great place to, to immerse yourself in uh, art, uh, whatever that is, but mainly writing. It's a songwriter's town, um, which is funny because it doesn't get a lot of credit for that. But there's just so many great writers uh, that live around there that have done incredible work over the last 50 years. Um, Dan Penn, Ben Aroldum, uh, Donnie Fritz, who's passed now, was a real big uh, influence on me. Nice guy. Wrote some incredible songs with John Prine and Willie Nelson and just uh, really amazing writers. Uh, Walt Aldridge, another incredible writer, and John Paul White uh, from there, an incredible songwriter from uh, the Civil Wars. Um, so... Just an incredible town and a music town. And so uh, I love doing work there because there's no distractions. It's small. There's not much of a nightlife. Um, so you can really get a, a good focus going.
0: Yeah, studying up on your on your upbringing, it sounds like you bounced around a bit between Alabama, Texas, Louisiana, which all have just a huge, rich musical tapestry of things going on and uh and not to mention that your dad who I didn't know was going to be here with us today was um you know a songwriter working at the fame studios and yeah. I, I read somewhere you got to spend a fair amount of time you know as a rug rat at at fame studios you know just rubbing shoulders and across the street from, from you know uh not quite across the street right right next to the National Shoals and uh I just thought wow what an incredible um place to be immersed and and to, and to be a sponge for music did you you know did in the moment were you aware of 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 the impact that that might have had on you or do you think that that's sort of what sparked your passion for music or your your um choice to sort of take music on or or was it just sort of yeah was was that what sparked it or
1: yeah you know the music the obsession was already there so I got lucky cuz I was already really obsessed with music and uh and uh, songwriting and, and guitar, and um, and so that, that was there already, and I got lucky because when he got a job there in 1997, um, you know, he started going up there a lot. I'm saying he, he's stand, standing right here, but... <laughs> and so... Uh, and then I, I, I moved up there with him in 2000 and... Was it one? 2001. And uh, he became a staff songwriter there, and... Uh, um. And so I spent a lot of time after, after school, we had a really sweet receptionist. There was a really sweet receptionist there named Rebecca Patton. And she would pick me up from school while he was working late in the studio doing sessions. And, and I would go and, uh, you know, do my homework or whatever. And then I'd go listen to the people who were playing and bother everybody trying to get some information about what was going on. And, uh, so I, I I really took advantage of that because of how much I was interested in it, especially the songwriting thing. It was constantly beat into my head that that was if you don't have songs, um, there's nowhere to start from. You know, so it's important to hone the craft, uh, and the songwriters are, are are where you know that's where it begins. And so I, I, that that was really um, beat into my head, and I got lucky, you know, um, because those people took a they could see how interested i was in it and guys like rick hall you know the guy who owned the place and uh fame yeah fame uh-huh. yeah he owned fame and he was uh, the hall family was kind of like the only family i had cuz we didn't have any other relatives in that town and they really treated me really kindly and uh took me under their wing and i would spend a lot of time with ricks uh rick hall's granddaughters and miss linda his wife and uh they were just real sweet and they took um, the time with me and Rick would call me in his office and listen to my songs and uh, you know tell me what was wrong with him <laughs> and uh, he, he was a he was a really hard taskmaster you know uh, hard to impress but I liked that and I didn't mind it um, and I started figuring out real quick that you couldn't be sensitive if you're going to be in this business.
0: What age was this time?
1: Uh, I mean really young like 11, 12. Oh wow. yeah. And I would spend. Uh, the, Studio B was often unoccupied, and so I would go back there with a the guitar and start um, writing stuff. Because m- most of the main session work got done in Studio A, which they're side by side to one another. And I would write a song, and uh, and then occasionally, you know, Rick or one of the other writers uh, in the building would say, "What you working on?" You know, and then you know, and then they would say, "Don't play me half of it; and play me the whole thing." Oh. You know. <laughs> And uh, and if you don't have it all written, then I don't want to hear it. Go finish it, and then, then play me the whole thing. And nobody wants to hear a half-written song. This ain't no cookie factory. That was one of Rick's favorite <laughs> favorite lines.
0: <laughs> when you yeah. were writing these tunes, what were you? What do you gravi- What instrument do you gravitate towards to write on? Where you know what? What was your first instrument, and what were you writing on
1: at that point? It was a guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, I always loved the guitar, and I, and I took to it naturally. I'm I'm right-handed, like like most people. And piano just confused me because you had to do most of the bass with your left hand. And on the guitar, it just felt natural to play and strum, even though piano is definitely one of my favorite instruments. And they have a incredible piano in oh, yeah. fame. And I would noodle on that just for fun, but I never could really play it. And I never took the time, you know, I took the time with the guitar. and I still love guitars. I'm definitely one of those guitar players that you that people make fun of you know on social media too many too many guitars too many instruments oh yeah how many you got I actually don't have that many anymore (laughs) but I I sold quite a few during the pandemic but um but I did have like you know eight or ten guitars something like that I know people who have way more and uh, if I could have as much as I wanted there would be much more Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um but yeah
0: well, Dylan LeBlanc with his guitar and his dad by his side and his band the Steel Vaqueros are here in studio. We'd love to hear another song. What would you like to play? I
1: want to do another one off of this album called Stranger Things.
0: Stranger Things—that's Dylan LeBlanc from the new record Coyote here live at Jefferson Public Radio. Uh, I I asked you a little bit before the microphones came on if if this was part of the uh, the movie series. The Duffer Brothers created a, a Netflix series called Stranger Things. I don't know how many seasons deep they are, but but uh, you answered my question by asking me what what that was or what show. Oh, yeah. But uh, I think we should definitely talk to them about uh, pitching that for their for their soundtrack. What a beautiful song. Um, in, in all seriousness. And speaking of titles, uh, the title track of the album is Coyote. And I, I read a little blurb about a cool story, and encounter you had, a little nature encounter you had with a coyote. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to share that.
1: Oh, yeah. I was with a crazy friend of mine in Austin. And uh, I-, I love this guy, but he's certifiable. And he wanted to climb this I don't know if it was 100 feet. It was really high, super high. Maybe 100 feet is a stretch, but uh, very high up. And he talked me into it, and I already don't like heights. And uh, and I walked up. This is like a cliff? Yeah, in the Greenbelt. This is like a little area in Austin that's like a fault line running through the city, but it's really beautiful. And they have like a little stream running through it. And um, you can walk, kind of walk it. It's like a nature area that people like to walk around in. So we were just cruising through there one day and uh, probably drinking and probably doing some other stuff too. And uh, he's like, man, let's climb this thing. Come on, you know, and you know how friends are. They're like, don't wimp out. And I was like, all right. So I started following him up it. And then what I didn't realize is when I got to the Onto the top, the other side was, it fell like straight down, like it was just like Ooh. about this much. Oh my goodness. And then you had to kind of scale it to get to where it expanded and land. And then there was trees everywhere, like that I was kind of hanging on to. And so I got up to the tree line once I got up there, and I was totally freaked out. And I'm um, hanging on to this tree line walking around, and my friend. Disappeared. I mean, he was he was up the wall, and he's a he's a monkey. You know, he just and went somewhere else, or he was way ahead of me. And uh, I'm I'm holding on to these trees. Sorry, I tell stories too long, but and I'm um, uh I hear this noise, this ruckus coming from kind of a little bit further away, and it gets closer and closer. And I see this raccoon just fly past me, running scared, and then. Right behind it is a coyote, and um and I could see that uh his jaw was broken and um but it looked like he was hungry, and he was just kind of looking at me with his tongue hanging out, and we were just staring at each other and uh and I was thinking to myself, if he jumps on me or something, and we're both going off of this cliff'cause we always I, I was just hanging you know by, with by, with my hand on the tree. And I was thinking, I'm if it's me or you, I'm definitely going to kick you off the cliff. So, and I was kind of talking to him, and then we kind of circled each other, you know, kind of looking around, and then he took off the other way. But you know, that's the, that's the story.
0: And did that inspire the song, and that, and or did that, or did it inspire further musing on coyotes in general? How did that become the centerpiece of this album?
1: I just like the animal. Uh, I can relate to being um you know scrapping you know and and having to you know work really hard for whatever it is you get in this life and i feel like coyotes are sort of desperate creatures you know um and i can relate to that you know they they often run in packs but sometimes they venture i can also relate to that um i don't know i just think they get a bad rap even in mythology you know uh, native mythology and you know they it's sort of a bad omen to see a coyote but really i I like the creature i think they get a bad rap for no reason they're just another being out there trying to survive and uh, i can relate to that and so i thought it was good and also the the double entendre of coyotes crossing the border you know um and then they had to get that name from somewhere and those are also people who are just desperate and looking for a better way of life and that intrigued me as well because it takes guts to leave a bad situation for anybody it's scary you know and uh and you know coyotes are also sort of timid frightened creatures until they get backed into a corner and then they're desperate to do whatever they gotta do to get out so mm-hmm. I just find that interesting you know and uh, and I find I, I obviously I love gangster culture I'm obsessed with uh mafia I've I've always liked reading books about it and cartel and all that Mm -hmm. um because it it is interesting to me how people can run an empire like a business but how ruthless that they kind of have to be because you can't go to the police when someone steals from you you know you kind of have to let people know that that ain't okay um by way of violence and that's that's the bad part of it, you know, that's the sad part, but it's uh, but it must be an insane existence
0: on the cover of your album, you've got some artwork that's a coyote um just riddled with arrows what's what's
1: the symbolism there um just that you know the the uh the strength and the uh tenacity that people have you know, and even in my own life, you know when you go through things. You know, those in on the album cover, he's covered in arrows, but he's still standing upright and still pushing forward. And uh, it just kind of re- resembles endurance through pain, I guess, for, for me. That's what I get out of it. My friend Aaron Gresham designed that for me, and I kind of gave him an idea of what I wanted, and he gave me three choices back. And I saw that one, and I said, that's the album cover. Um, Because I see something in there. There's a certain magic in that album cover. And of course, you know, a lot of people at the label were worried about animal rights activists getting upset and stuff like that.
0: Oh, did you get some pushback?
1: Oh, yeah, just today. Some lady on Facebook was like, I will not endorse my business for anyone who promotes an image like that. You know, so it was just like... Mm. But you don't mm-hmm. understand what it means, and I think they take things literally. most people are too literal, I think you know, in religion and in everything they they major in the minors when there's other stuff they should really be worried about. but uh that's my opinion, and then everybody's got one, so I won't go into that, <laughs> but uh
0: speaking of collaborating and and art uh this last record is on Ato records, a, a well-known label. You had a, an album Cautionary Tale on Thirty Tigers. There was another one, I think Rough trade. Um, and I wondered, uh, you've got some different sounds on the different albums. you can you can hear, you know, different different energies on um, Renegade. You had sort of a nod to Fleetwood Max rumors sort of feel to it. Um, this one, uh, Coyote, r- reminds me a lot of the 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 vibe on Cautionary Tale. I just wanted to hear, um, you know, a, a singer songwriter like yourself speak to what does it mean to have a label. I mean, there's a lot of people who uh, go indie and and go it alone. Or having a label can mean so much to di- people, and it can mean such different things. What what does how, I mean? And does that bring different producers, different collaborators? What does that do to the music for you?
1: I think. When you have a label, what artists are really looking for is resources. So, you know, when I was young, I thought getting signed meant the work was over. But it really just means your work is just beginning. And then all a label can really do is fund the project. You know, they can't make people like it. They can't make people get on board. Um, that's up to you, and it's up to the music. It's up to whether people... They can put it out there for you, you know. Uh, And even these days, labels have a really hard time with streaming and all that getting people's music out there. And you're competing, you know, you're one out of millions, uh, especially in this country. So, I mean, it's good, you know, but you still have quite a bit of work left to do as an artist. Um, What it really is is a bank that gives you some cash to make a record. You owe that bank uh, the money back through your sales, it's just a business thing, and it's great for people who don't have a lot of money and didn't, you know, grow up with cash, um, people like myself. Um, but that's all it is, you know. It doesn't mean, it doesn't guarantee you success. It doesn't guarantee you anything. It just gives you a shot, and that's a nice opportunity to have. And uh, But it's, I, you know, it's good to be clear about that, you know. You, and uh, so, yeah, it's nice.
0: Other folks, uh, you know, do you have songwriting partners or other or producers or any kind of other collaborators in in creating your work that you like working with?
1: Yeah, there's a, a guy named Brad Chrysler in Nashville, Tennessee, that I like working with. I wrote a couple of songs with him. Uh, me and him wrote a few on this project, and he had uh, James here. My father had one on Renegade as well, that song Lone Rider. I like writing with him whenever we have the time. Excellent. Excellent.
0: We've got time for one more. What would you like to play for us?
1: Yeah, this one is called Dust from the new album.
0: dust that is a track from the new record coyote from dylan leblanc he's joining us live in the studios today with the steel vaqueros thanks you guys thanks for taking a day off tour uh on your your busy tour all across the country you're heading down uh california way and then working your way back east so thanks so much for stopping by love the new tunes uh, can't wait to see what's next are you hitting the studios right after tour or are you heading back to norway
1: I am gonna go home and be with my baby girl and my fiance for a little while, and then um, and then I'm coming back to the states um, in mid April to start a tour on the 20th wow. in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. and then uh, then we'll go from Charlotte and do some Southern states and some cities down there, and then I'm going to do Jazz Fest this year, which I'm really excited about.
0: Right on. Well, good luck. Have a wonderful tour. Have, have safe travels, all y'all. And uh, and and keep us posted next time you, you put a record out. And please stop by next time you, you swing through.
1: Thank you. I will.
0: Thank you. This session has been engineered by John Griffin of Luna Zen Studios. We will have this session archived on our website, ijpr.org, or also wherever you listen to your podcasts. More on the Dylan LeBlanc tour Uh, on his website, DylanLeBlanc.com. That's D-Y-L-A-N-L-E-B-L-A-N-C.com. You can also follow the music on socials at Dylan LeBlanc. That is D-Y-L-A-N-L-E-B-L-A-N-C. Thanks so much. I'm your host, Danielle Kelly, and Open Air will continue right after this.